I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. If you enjoy Songtown on Songwriting, we think you'll probably enjoy some of the other podcasts on the American Songwriter Podcast Network. So check out Zach Kuhn's show. Uh, he just did an interview recently with Jody Williams. Uh, that was a great interview, lots of great information in there. So check that out if you want to hear more about songwriting in the music business world. I think you're really going to enjoy our episode today. We've got an interview with Jess Furman, who is the executive vice president of Sync Strategy at Big Noise. So we'll jump right into the interview and we'll talk more after. All right, Songtown, welcome to the Songtown Studios. We've got Jess Furman in the house. Jess is an old friend, and I'm going to read you a little bit of her bio because she's done some amazing things. So Jess is a music producer, songwriter, composer, and multi-instrumentalist based out of Los Angeles. After years of touring, Jess established the award-winning custom music house Sound Revolver in L.A., where she's produced, written, and composed hundreds of songs for other artists, TV TV and film series, and ads and commercials, projects through Sound Revolver, have won a Telly Award, Clio Award, and gone RIAA Certified Gold, and have been featured on everything from HBO, Lifetime, MTV, Sundance Film Festival to DreamWorks, Nickelodeon, national ad campaigns for major brands. On and on and on it goes. She was named <laughs> one of Billboard's magazine, uh, Billboard Magazine's top 40 industry-shaping executives for the 2020 Pride list. Sound Revolver is a 100% woman-owned production house under the Big Noise Music Group umbrella for which Jess oversees all creative sync strategy for the label group. Amazing stuff. Thanks, Marty. <laughs> Thanks it's for so having me. That, yeah. So <laughs> just, you know, tell us a little bit because we have so many people that are interested in the sync world and it seems intimidating and um, people don't know where to start a lot of times. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I, I think, first of all, it's important to make a distinction between custom opportunities and sync licensing. Um, you know, sync licensing means that you have a pre-existing song that you've recorded and that, you know, maybe you've released with an artist or you've released yourself and you want it to end up on, say, a TV show, commercial ad. Um, we also call that needle drop, meaning that, like, you're not actually writing it on the show for a specific purpose. Um, it's a pre-existing song that you're, you know, trying to have end up on in one of these outlets. So that's traditional sync licensing. Um, on the custom side, you know, that would be something like where you're writing on a show called, you know, like Empire, for example, or Nashville. Um, they had writers that would write songs that would be on screen um, and that's custom curated. So in that case, you know, you're, you know, the supervisor and they're giving you a script and you're writing a song that someone on screen is going to be uh, performing. So those are the two kind of segments and you know I, I know a lot of the people that listen to this or watch this is you know they're songwriters so they're those are two outlets those are two different avenues one is a custom creation of these songs two scripts um you know for you know on screen um and then the other would be you know the needle drop licensing that would happen from your catalog right yeah and i think you know most of our people are probably in the category of that they don't get those briefs you know so they're they're maybe not getting as many opportunities to do that so how talk a little bit about how you would you you know how you take existing songs and kind of work them into the system that they might potentially get licensed yeah absolutely um i mean the best way to do it i would say is definitely if you aren't repped, if you're with a publisher, you know, does your publisher have, if you really want to get a licensing, does your publisher have a strong licensing division? So 
the thing with a lot of these music supervisors is that years ago is a little bit different. I know that they always say the best thing is to try to create a relationship with the supervisor, but you know, more and more artists are willing to do licenses. Like, you know, like Marty, I don't want to date us slightly, but like <laughs> there was a time when you, you wouldn't hear any big songs on TV, film commercials as they wouldn't do it. You know, they're selling records and it was a little bit more low hanging fruit. So I would say the best thing is, you know, these supervisors are so inundated that they trust people like me, you know, like, or, a, or different agents or publishers um, when they send a brief out because they know that I'm going to kind of listen through and know what's going to service their needs specifically for that show or for that placement. Um, so I would say like, you know, doing research with like agents that like rep your catalog. Like for example, I started off, um, you know, Secret Road was my biggest target because I was a folk indie singer songwriter. So when I was an artist, I looked for agents that repped music that was similar to mine. And I actually started off getting signed for agency rap with Secret Road. And they were kind of the premier agents that represented singer songwriters. That was my style. So a lot of the things that I got placed were, you know, folk pop, folk singer songwriter placements. And, you know, I knew they were the go-tos for that. So I would say like kind of researching and looking at where um, you think your style of music fits in and who represents that and does really well with it is, is, a, is a massive um, way to start getting into the industry. And how do you find those people? I'm, I'm, I'm asking on behalf of me, cause I don't even know the answer to that question. <laughs> no, it's fair. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of worked backwards. Like there's a, there's, I mean, I'm really, you know, back then I, I just happened to know that secret road repped all of the singer songwriters, um, conferences, I would go to conferences. I spent like, gosh, money I did not have to go to like one of the conferences in LA that like had a panel of supervisors and agents. And I, you know, started, you know, looking at who was speaking or if you can't afford it, like go online and look at like a summit or, you know, a guild, you know, panel, like, and see like, who's an agent, who's repping what. So like, if you look me up, you're going to see that, you know, or at least big noise where I, I oversee the licensing division, you're going to see all pop rock, things like that. Like that's a good indicator of what we represent on that side is now now it's not exhaustive but you know i would say that like you know like kind of like each you'll notice if you go to these agency websites like you know which you know represents certain styles and you know when you approach them and say hey like i've noticed your roster does x y and z i think i'd be a good addition to it um i mean as as hard as i am to reach like i get probably god knows how many emails a day with like content to listen to and as much as i'd like to listen to everything i have briefs coming in so i'm always having to listen to those opportunities and make sure that i'm pitching out the catalog i have i have a time set aside once a week with my assistant where we go through new material because I want to constantly have my finger on the pulse of what's coming out. I want, you know, everything's evolving consistently with what supervisors want. So, you know, there are, no one is unreachable. You know, people in positions that are these agents are always looking for new material that they think they can work. Yeah, I think that's a common misperception that it's a closed system and that, mm -hmm. and that there's no way in. You know, I've heard people say that about Nashville. It's like, you know, that it's so, so tight you have to know somebody in it. Uh, that's good to hear. Yeah. On the other side of that, with the custom writing, how do you work yourself into those kind of opportunities? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I would say if you are with a publisher, like tell your publisher <laughs> that you want those opportunities. They might not think think of it really necessarily. Like it's kind of a newer frontier, um, you know, or start co-writing with, with people that you already know that are on the shows, reach out. Like, you know, I collaborate a lot with 
like I kept working back back and forth. So like I have a friend who sh- her show was like out in the chipmunks and you know trolls, and then my shows were more Hasbro like Lilith's Pet Shop, and you know we're, we're constantly trading talent back and forth because I need to maintain it being a fresh situation, right? If I have to write 15, like, you know, songs for a series, like I'm, if I, if I write it all myself, like, you know, I mean, it might be okay, but the well gets to be dry after a while. So I would say like, if you look at these shows and you see who's writing, reach out, be like, Hey, I would love to collaborate with you on writing on these series or these shows. Um, A lot of those are more closed camps. And what's interesting about that world is the world of custom the supervisors really like to know that is a case where they like to work directly with the writers and occasionally a a publisher can get you in there, but you know, they pride themselves on knowing the writers and, and creating relationships. And once those relationships get created, you know, they tend to continue. So like, I'll get asked a bit on these shows because I've done well on other shows. And then someone like me again is always trying to look for new talent that, you know, when I have time to kind of like, drill in and look at it, you know, I want, I want to, you know, fill those gaps as well. So I might test someone new on a project with me. So I would say, you know, reach out to people who already have the work and see if they're willing to give you a shot at collaborating with them. Um, That would be probably the easiest way in. Yeah, that's great. You know, a common thing that I hear a lot in Nashville too, is like, and I've heard this from my publishers when I was at Olay or, or anywhere else that I would turn in something and they go, well, this is not really country so it's probably sync you know it might work for sync you know it's like that was yeah. that was the catch-all basket of like if it's not this or this or this then it's probably sync song but tell us a little bit about what makes a good what makes a song highly syncable and track you know it gives you lots of opportunities yeah, sure. Um, well, I'd say there's definitely two lanes. So like if, if a director or producer, it's a hit, wants a hit, kind of all goes out the window, right? Like they're like, I want this song by this artist. I've been dreaming about it. But um, there are certain things that work like, you know, general themes for lyrics. Like, you know, it's it's not that your song that has a certain color in it or a number or is a specific might not get in but you know remember like you'll have more play if it if it like is general themes about love or general themes about friendship that can fit into a couple different scenarios so lyrically keeping it you know smart and vague does do very well in licensing um another thing is you have to have a broadcast ready demo it has to be something that can actually in its form it's in now so like if you're just doing work tapes i know that's a big thing in nashville is the work tapes like these have to be fully produced demos um because what they're hearing is what they're going to put on so you know if you think it's worth it get it fully produced you know have the instrumentals ready um another thing is leaving a lot of space with the lyrics because you're weaving in and out of dialogue or voiceover and if it's wall to wall you know story or like it's a lot harder to to have it fit into different places so you know you really want to make sure that you're leaving enough breath and room Um, and then the last creative advice i would give is lock into a theme and stay there because the first thing that supervisors listen to is the emotion. So we had a brief we're working on this morning where, you know, it's an uplifting brand for an international furniture store. Right. And it's just like a massive placement. It's like a six figure deal. Um, but the first thing they want to get through is uplifting, heartwarming, emotional. So now if it doesn't have like that, you know, that lift to it, 
keep the emotion. Don't get too weird with the chords. Don't have too many switches and changes. Like they want to hear it, envision it. It's going to go in like a 30 second spot. If it's an ad or a 15 second spot, or even if it's going to go in a scene, it's going to not be the full song. Um, everybody dreams of getting their song on like Grey's Anatomy final montage where the dialogue's low and it's the showcase piece. And, and that is possible, but the more play, you're going to have more play if you're like thinking of a bunch of these extra like factors that are coming into play, which is leaving, giving it a little more space, um, you know, in terms of like the, the lyrics. <laughs> and musically, what, what kinds of things give you better chance, you know, like stylistically and musically? Um, I would say um, it trends, everything trends. Like right now what's trending is soul funk. I mean, retro sounding soul funk is just kind of everywhere. Um, the heartfelt singer songwriter thing never really goes away. You know, little things might shift and change. It might be a little more acoustic, you know, a couple of years ago. Now it's a little more dreamlike uh, production with like a little more affected vocals, but a heartfelt performance with great lyrics. Like, you know, you see it on shows all the time. It just it never, it doesn't even go away on radio if you think about it. Like there's always this breakthrough hit that's just super simple um, with piano and vocal or guitars and swells. So um, I would just say whatever, whatever you're going for, like, um, you know, punk rock, it has a place like it's not really really popular um promos are different for promos like anything bratty like if you if you think of like watching like you know mtv shows where like people are fighting like it's pretty bratty bratty stuff like you know i just did a whole batch of stuff for um for viacom and for um like mtv vh1 and all those series and you know i did about 10 songs for them and they like they you know bratty stuff like i'm gonna wear the crown or a bad boy like you pick a centralized theme and you just kind of stick in that wheelhouse so if it's a bratty song, the guitar lick should be bratty, the, the horn should be bratty, like whatever it is, like really just reinforce that 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 thing. And then another good hack is um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Tune Find. Have you heard of Tune Find? No. It's free, it's free website. You can look up what songs are on these shows. You can actually find a show. So like, you're not just thinking, God, I would love to get my song on, you know, Bridgerton, or I'd love to get it on, you know, like Pretty Little Liars. Like you can actually go to TuneFind and you can look up previous years of what's, what, you know, what, what's season two, what's season three, because they also do evolve. You might be like, oh, wow, that now they're doing a lot of covers this, this season or, you know, so it's a good indication. Another one is iSpot that's also free and iSpot does the same thing, only it does it for ads. So you can kind of like look up and reverse engineer. Um, and, you know, if you think you have something for a brand, same thing, Google, YouTube, go on YouTube and see like what ads are they dropping? What style are they going for? So there's a lot of research you can do, you know, in reverse to kind of see like what, what campaigns are coming through. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll put those websites in the show notes so people can reference those. That's great. Cool. Yeah. I think, you know, I think a lot of times people, um, maybe don't know where to go to get to do the homework or they kind of just go, this is kind of a weird song. It's probably sync. And they, and they pitch it without really doing that research. So I think yeah. what I hear you saying is the more, you know, about what you're shooting at, the better your chances are. Yeah. A hundred percent, you know, and also remember like there are a lot of libraries that, you know, are like, I'll take your, we'll put your music and upload it and we'll pitch it. Like, and I know Marty, you mentioned like you're really big on, you know, songwriter rights as well. And, and so am I like, no, don't give away your copyright if no one is paying you. Like there are reputable agents, there are reputable places where, you know, you know, you can, you know, you don't have to give up the rights to your music just for the privilege of someone pitching it. I don't think you should give away your rights because someone is, has access. 
you know, they should be paying you for your copyrights. Um, and there are reputable agents that like do do operate in that way fairly where they will represent you and maybe it'll go copob if they get you a placement, but they're not just you know, for the privilege of you doing all the hard work and uploading your music, they're not taking your copyright from you. Right. Yeah. That's kind of like the pay you $5,000 for a two crappy demo kind of model. Yeah. 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 yeah that's great. Yeah. And so, they're also, they're also, and I will say, you know, live some of the libraries online as well. Like keep in mind, like there's nothing wrong with leveraging your back catalog in certain instances, but um, the minute you go into like a library situation, you are pricing your stuff like, I'm dealing with premium content primarily, right? I can negotiate fees that start at a certain price and go up, you know, and, you know, they can be anything from a grand to like hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know? Um, and, you know, we try not to do the thousand dollar license. We try to like kind of push the price point up, but a lot of these libraries have what are called blanket deals. So once your music is associated with a discount broker, you know, you also don't want to cheapen your brand, right? Like if you really feel the need to do it, put it in there under an alias that you don't mind is your discount. I have a couple aliases that are my discount aliases where oh, I've been hired okay. to write for certain libraries where I get paid, but you're not going to find my name in there. You know, you're going to have a discount alias, you know, where I got prepaid, but I don't want them to think that, you know, when they're coming back at me for a higher price point song and they're like, well, well you already did this one for, you know, this <laughs> exactly. license fee. So that's another option. No, that's a great idea. I've not heard of that. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. So what's like, could could you point out like what would be a good entry point for somebody wanting to get into this world? You know, I mean, I know you're not going to step into opportunities that are six figure kind of things, but so are you saying like the, the entry points might be like those agents and the reputable mm -hmm. libraries and that kind of thing? Yeah, I would say um, definitely agents. If you want to be, it depends if you want to be writing for volume and you know, there's some libraries that like they do pay. They're libraries that prepay. I mean, all the, if I work with libraries, they're batch orders, prepaid, prepayment, and then I have a choice to make. I'm like, okay, well, this makes sense to me with my team that I can get this done um, or it's direct to network. So I'm going to get back in royalties on it. But I would say, yeah, these agents. And when you reach out, like, do not send a billion links. Like, keep in mind, like, you know, there are times where someone will write a concise email and it's really easy for me to click on one link. And I'll do that. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's the other thing too, is like, if I open an email and there's five links in there or a couple links, like I get overwhelmed. I put it, earmark it for later, but I don't open it. Usually I just get to, it goes down in my inbox. So keep it concise, short, a link, don't do attachments. Um, and be really clear, be like, artist sounds like, you know, I, like maybe in your subject even say like, sounds like this project. And if I see it and I'm like, oh wow, that's a contemporary project I'd be interested in you know, keep it short. Also, a lot of managers and agents and artists will give me a ton of stats about their radio play and their touring. Um, this is not a world where that matters. Um, it, I mean, it is at some point where you're pushing the price point up later on, but I'm mostly concerned with, can I use this? Do I get asked a lot for it? Is it relevant to what I think I can work? So you don't need to put stats and all those things. Just tell me what it sounds like and, you know, that they're broadcast ready. If, if you're one stop, that's also a thing I'll open right away. That means that you have secured all the rights to it. It means I don't have to split it with 800 billion other people. So if you own the rights to your own stuff, get with your bandmates, or your teammates, or whoever you wrote with, and like maybe sign it all to one little entity and say, this is one stop, easy to clear. Here's my playlist. Um, and that, that will be a link I'll click on sometimes just even that day. If I'm like on a call somewhere else and I have a minute, you know, it's easy for me to listen to. That's awesome. Yeah. So 
I mean, that's that's great. We're going to have to get you to teach a class in Songtown for sure, because I'm, lear- <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Yay. <laughs> you know, there's an, one other thing I'd like to talk to you about for just a minute, too. Sure. Um, when you were in Nashville last and we we wrote, mm-hmm. um, somehow I, th- I think I was doing a show that night. And yes, you I asked you to come play with me. So you didn't have a guitar. So we walk in the venue and I'm carrying a guitar and you're you're walking in and the engineer comes over and goes, oh, are you playing guitar for her? And your response was, I can play guitar just fine. Thank you. But, you know, I know as a woman in this business, you have faced that kind of thing a lot. Yeah. So what kind of encouragement can you give other women in the music business? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I want to thank you because you you actually forget how kind you were. I, I was actually holding a guitar and someone said, why did Marty make you hold his guitar? They couldn't. Oh, so. Yes. And they couldn't fathom that I was, you know, and you were so incensed that that happened that you actually, when you got on stage, which you were so generous to share with me, you were like, I want to have Jess go first because she's a phenomenal guitar player. And someone asked why she was holding my guitar. (laughs) She doesn't need anyone to hold, you know, like this is her guitar. It was so cute, but you made such a point of saying to the room, like that, that, that it happened in that way. And you wanted to clarify. And so thank you. Like, and, and that is also part of it. Like you need allies, right? Like you need people that are willing to like put you on stage and also put people on blast when they, when they make that assumption. Um, you know, I have to tell you, like, like I have, you know, when I toured, I had my initials, my business address is still like my email address is still JD. Like, um, I have, you know, I, I have done whatever I can to get the work. I, you know, Sound Revolver actually started because no one would hire me on these projects for TV and film. I've written on tons of shows by now, um, commercials, ads, but no one could think, you know, even, even a little folk guitar player knows how to program and write. And, you know, so I, I kind of like whitewashed all my credits to the degree where like it's sound revolver, like you're hiring this is the team is the credits. And then if I happen to be the one writing on it, which I was, it was just, you know, after the fact, you know, like you would find out it was a woman that did it. And I, and I think like, it sucks that that's the way that that happens, but you know, I I wasn't going to let the fact that people didn't think I could produce and write um, derail me from from working on the projects I wanted to. And in my case, setting up a company and keeping it a little bit more vague. And now, you know, at this point I can say, oh, it's me. Like, I can give out my bio and my credits. And, you know, it, it is also a different, a little bit of a different climate right now. But, you know, I would just say like, don't be afraid to leverage using a company name and letting your work speak for itself. Find people who are allies, find other women that are allies. I am constantly going out of my way to try to give a leg up to women when I can, because I noticed that, you know, it's a little bit of, a, it is a little bit of a tougher room and sell. So if I can give a woman a chance, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll look or I'll look around and be like, wow, like on this project, I hired all guys, like how next time do I make sure that there's somebody that, you know, is a woman or, you know, even if it's a person of color or someone that is from an underserved community. Um, but I would say if, it, you know, look for your allies, but also like, if you need to start a company and you need to just maybe put your name in the background for a minute, if you're that good, your credits will, you know, you get to a point where like, it's undeniable that I'm landing these shows. It's undeniable that I'm landing all this stuff, you know? Oh, and here's my name and I'm a woman. Shocker. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, in case you were curious. So does that answer the question? Yeah, it is. You know, and it's a shame that it's that way, but, I, but I think it's, it is important to hear from somebody like you that has, you know, let, let the quality of your work just speak and moved up the ladder in so many great ways. Yeah. And also like, you know, it's, 
I don't think it's, it's bad to be underestimated. I don't think it's, you know, I think it's, you know, I think if you let it, if you, if you let it crush your spirit, you know, it's different thing, but you know, there's so much room to, to impress people when they underestimate you. And, you know, I think a lot of it too is like, and I don't know, Marty, if you've experienced this, but like just being in the industry, as long as you and I both have and be able to make a living doing what we do, like you kind of have to have a humility about all of it and a little bit of humor because it's, it's music. And, you know, like you just kind of have to like brush off a lot of it and find your tribe and your people and, you know, surround yourself by people who you love, you know, who are honest, who are talented. And, you know, it does take a minute to get there, but there are people, you know, a, a big part of me, of me being part of Sona for years and like being on the board and all that was like a community of people that I trusted that were advocates for songwriters. And the people that I met in those instances helped me build my tribe around the way I want to do business, you know, on top of just the creative side. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing your wisdom. Of course. Thanks for having me. I was so excited to do this with you. It's been amazing to reconnect and just like see your face and get to talk to you about this stuff. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I learned a lot. Um, we're going to put those websites that she mentioned in the show notes. So if you missed that, uh, you can go to the show notes and check those out. A lot of great information there. Now we have a question from the Ask Marty and Clay forum on Songtown. Uh, and Clay is going to introduce the question and answer it right here. Today's question from the Ask Marty and Clay Songtown forum comes from Colleen. Colleen wants to know if she can take a title from a past hit song and use it in a new song that she's writing today. That's a great question, Colleen. The short legal answer is yes, because you cannot copyright a title. So once the title's been released into the world, anyone can reuse that title. But there are a few guidelines that I use in this situation. The first consideration is to ask yourself whether or not it's a recent or current hit song. You're not going to want to play your song for artists or publishers if it has the same exact title as a hit that's playing on the radio right now. Secondly, you'll probably want to stay away from any classic song title that is unique and different. For instance, if you write another song like Moves Like Jagger, well, that's such a unique title that it's going to be hard for anyone to take you seriously. Or it doesn't matter if you're a huge Clash fan from the punk days. If you write another Rock the Casbah, it's really going to be hard to get away with that. So I would stay away from any kind of unique title that was really big. Personally, my approach to this has always been to try to stay away from titles that have been done before. But in the occasion that I have done it, I was a huge Roy Orbison fan. Roy had a song called Only the Lonely that I used to love. And I wanted to try to use that title, but I put a twist to it and wrote a completely different song. I wrote a song called It Was Only the Lonely Talking. And that song was recorded a couple of times. I got to play it for Roy's widow. Man, was I nervous, but she loved it. And that told me that it's really okay to pay homage to someone if you take it and make it your own. Thank you for your question, Colleen. Let's kick it back to Marty. All right. We're nearly at the end. I want to share a song with you uh, from PJ Jew, Longtown Songtown member. It's called You Can Do It, and it's very uplifting and inspiring, so we'll leave you with that. And I hope you will follow us, rate us, uh, recommend us to your friends, all that kind of stuff. 
And if you want to learn more, you can check out songtown.com. You can always email me at marty at songtown.com or clay at clay at songtown.com if you want more information or if there's any way we can be of help. Have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday.